Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., and Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. Great show for you guys coming up today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and more. Uh, Tom Haberstroh going to join us in a little bit. The Finder Substack is where you can check him out doing analytics insider work for the Trailblazers, as well as some great stuff over here at Meadowlark Media. Going to talk about some of what we've seen in the association. A ton of scoring up right now as we head towards the All-Star break. Some of the 65-game rules creeping into certain uh, rotation as well there. Uh, as we mentioned yesterday in terms of the time of the show, uh, want to keep reinforcing for everybody. We will be on at a later time next week during Super Bowl week. We are going to be 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, Monday through Friday next week while we're out at Radio Row. You'll catch the best of Go uh, Gojo and Golik from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern in the morning in the spot where we're always on. But Speaking of things that will not change, Wednesdays still mean something around here. No, it's not on a Tuesday this week. No, it's not at a different time this week. Charlotte Wilder, our great friend and co-host of the Oddball Podcast with Amin El Hassan here on the DraftKings Network, kind enough to join us now. Oh, okay, never mind. She's oh, not we'll get her in a minute. <laughs> the so, show baby. Th this, th I think this is where we are, Mike. We we've seen that coaches are going back to their teams to redo deals, and we're trying to do that with Charlotte to get her to come back to this team. But it seems like 
that's still up in the air as, you know, she was supposed to be on. Now she's not. I don't know if she's playing hardball. Is she being Ben Johnson and asking for a lot of money? We're going to have to ask her when she comes on. What's going on? There we we go. Three decades of radio firmly ingrained into the -the on-the-fly shift in topic. That's how you transition (laughs) to the news of the day yesterday. Uh, that that's right. Uh, we had some interesting news when we logged off the show yesterday, we were all assuming coming off this weekend of the conference championships that we were going to get some news about any number of the coordinators that we had seen, but particularly people had been talking about Mike McDonald from the Baltimore Ravens, their defensive coordinator and lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who everyone expected to go and take any of the two jobs left, but most notably dad, the Washington commanders had been the team. Most people had associated with him. And we got the news yesterday that basically while the commander's brass was in the air to come and visit Ben Johnson and uh, Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator for interviews, Ben Johnson communicated to them that he was taking his name out of the running and he was heading back to Detroit. Uh, Dad, there's a lot of reasons that people are going to wonder, but why do you think ultimately Ben Johnson decided to reverse course on this after being now for two years in a row, one of the hottest head coaching candidates? Uh, I mean, maybe, you know, there were eight teams uh, that started in this, but Detroit kept winning as well. Again, you can back back channel a lot of things to find out information. Um, Maybe his choices and he was the hot coordinator, maybe his choices weren't Washington or Seattle. Maybe he had a different favorite that he had, and that door closed. So it was going to be, well, if I'm going to go to this team, I'm going to we, – we heard uh, that for the Chargers, he was basically wanting or wanting for his services to be head coach $15 million, which he's not going to get. But, hey, if he wants to ask for it, you can ask for whatever you want. Uh, it depends on what you get. I would say, you know, like anything else, Mike, it's probably a combination of things. He wasn't getting the money he wanted. Um, Maybe the team he wanted, again, had already taken a head coach. So he said, I'll wait another cycle. I'm well paid uh, in Detroit. Certainly not as well paid as you're going to be as a head coach, just kind of for comparison's sake. Average coordinator in the NFL makes about a, about a mil and a half. The top guys make anywhere from three to four. So even put him on the top end, I'm sure sure. if he signed somewhere, he could have got at least Mike, a six year, $60 million deal at 10 mil a year, which is a hell of a lot more than you make as a coordinator, but there are more things that go in it and him probably knowing that's still going to be there for me down the road. If I don't get the situation I want, why leave the situation I'm in where our team was just in the NFC championship game? Yeah, this is pretty privileged for Ben Johnson, right? He knows that his situation is going to remain good like this because what's the worst case scenario? I go back to an offense in Detroit that I know exactly how it operates, exactly what it's capable of, exactly what we're building towards. And and I see all the stuff that people are saying, and I'm sure this is a factor in it that yes, Dan Campbell has built a great culture around that Detroit Lions building. And I have no doubt people enjoy being there and enjoy working there. And so that also, I'm sure, makes it easy interpersonally to go back to a place that you know is a good landing spot for you, your family, everything else. I saw Ben Johnson saying that him and his wife really like that area. They really like being a part of this team. But, Dad, you're right. It's the 
knowing that the opportunity is still going to be there. And then on the other side, like, yeah, if he's got a hard and fast line for a price in his head, I can sort of understand that because I'm sure he looks around and sees, hey, when you take these jobs, there's a lot of problems that come with this. There's a lot that can go wrong. And if it does go wrong, you don't know when this kind of opportunity is going to come back and show itself again. And so I want to make sure it's worth my while and going to a place where I'm going to have what I need to be successful immediately because as we see, you don't really get a chance to sit around and build it very slowly in most organizations right now. Yeah, you just have to have to make sure you're not pricing yourself out of the market. Well, and again, we're just hearing this from insiders. If he's asking for 15, again, he's not going to get 15. He's not. So, but and I have a hard time believing he wouldn't understand that and realize if he asks for 15, maybe you'll get 12. You know, if. Do some people think if he holds out long enough, he's going to get 15? Personally, I don't. We'll see salaries go up every year. Obviously, people get what will we'll make more money each year. But I think, like I said, the combination of if it's not particularly a team he wants to be at, he's going to want more. If it's a team he wants to be at, maybe he'll negotiate and take a little, a little less. Negotiation is fine. Like I said, ask for what you want. They offer what you want. And you meet somewhere. What will be interesting for Detroit now that we know he's back is – you have, you have this year, and you wonder. One thing we've never talked about with Detroit is a window, and they have so many young players that that window should be open for a while. But two of the most important positions, this could be the last year. Ben Johnson will be a hot commodity again next year, right? Will he take a job next year? And Jared Goff is on the last year of his deal, right? So would they be doing going, having this be their last year, and then going into a new old coordinator and a new quarterback the year after. So you wonder within the building the thought process around that. Yeah, I, I certainly think what the last two years have afforded them is time to very carefully think through a succession plan because – this is the second offseason Ben Johnson's been a name like this that everyone's brought up. And right. so I'm sure Dan Campbell and company have already been, you know, ideating exactly what they're going to try and do once this happens. And so that's going to be the next step for them. But what a huge win to start the year. This was a coup for Lions fans last year when they were able to keep them around for one more season. And we saw the fruit it bore, right? They got to the NFC Championship this year in part because of that, because you can now go into an offseason where you're not worried about changing all that continuity, changing the verbiage for the way that you do things, or just learning your communication style with the person that's going to be at the helm of an offense that was one of the better ones around the NFL this last year. Speaking of negotiations, we have gone back to the table, and it appears that we've been able to strike a deal to bring back Wilder Wednesday here. So Charlotte <laughs> Wilder, I believe, is with us now after what was a very touch-and-go situation. Good morning, Charlotte. How are we doing? Good morning, guys. I am so sorry. That was, uh, you know, remember remember how we talked about, like, getting on to, in a, in a tough situation, how I pretend I'm an astronaut? Do you remember that, Golik? You, senior, you thought that you were like, whoa, what? Explain that I've one always again, been, because yes, I don't... I do. I don't think we remember it right offhand. So explain that one again to people, Charla, how you That's think so funny. you're an I'm astronaut. Like, you remember every single thing I've ever said, right? Um, <laughs> no, so when, when something's not working or when I'm in a high-pressure situation, such as when I can't hear the sound coming out of my computer, I'm like, okay, Charlotte, don't panic. Pretend you're an astronaut. Pretend you're in space and you need to fix your spaceship. And if you don't stay calm and fix it, you're going to plummet into the ocean. And I am sad to report that this morning I would have just dropped right out of the sky 
but we are here now. My headphones work. My microphone seems to be working. And I've loved listening to you guys talk about Ben Johnson. Charlotte, what you said about the astronaut thing, I always do that, but it's a combat divers. I remember I saw a documentary about combat divers and what they have to deal with and how when you're underwater with the scuba gear and you're being mm -hmm. attacked, they'll blindfold them, they'll pull the plug on their air, they'll do all this stuff while they're hitting them, and you just have to very calmly assess where you know everything is, put it back together so that you can literally breathe again underwater. So exactly what you were talking about, how to stay calm under pressure while apparently you're getting ready to fight people as a scuba diver. <laughs> oh my God, first of all, is that a thing? Where can I watch the doc on that? And secondly, I like that we both have like completely unhinged... Uh, expectations of where we might one day find ourselves. Yeah, Dad, what do you do I'm in a pressure situation? What do you imagine yourself in? Me? I just make a cup of coffee and wait for it to end. I mean, I... I so you would definitely be... Tough. You would not be breathing underwater, and you would have fallen out of the sky, Senior. I, I probably would have, but I'd have been like, okay, well, if that's what was meant... If I can't really do a lot about it, then I'm just going to wait till it's done... Or somebody is going to tell me what to try and do because I'm not going to be able to figure it out. So I understand that about myself. So someone will either tell me or I'll just wait there. And if I perish, then I perish. Charlotte, I'm wondering, have you seen the movie Gravity with Sandra Bullock? Because no. your, what you've explained is exactly that movie where she is oh. in space basically alone and she's trying to figure out the problems to get back to Earth. So I thought you were basing your situation off of that movie because that's exactly what that movie is about. No, but it sounds to me like whoever made that Sandra Bullock movie owes me some royalties because I thought of it in my head <laughs> without seeing the movie. So I'm just out here making imaginary money, guys. You guys should maybe talk to somebody about about that. Just like, I don't yeah, know, everything. It. Uh, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It seems like there's maybe some deep-rooted um, anxiety going on. Yes. Yeah, yes. no, I was about to swear, a, like, a, yeah, no no joke, Jesse. Yeah, like... I mean, that's definitely true in a lot of senses here, but it, this is yeah. about staying calm. This is a means to calm the anxiety by imagining yourself in some of the most anxious situations that mankind Yeah, I was going to say, hmm, yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's... I, I, I have the answer for both of you because I, I, it is pretty interesting that you, you go down those, that road. Here's what's going to help you. Go answer Elmo's tweet on how are you doing oh. and go ahead and, and, and you know, oh, man. And explain the coping thing. Explain that to Elmo. Yeah, to Elmo. So Look, Elmo all can, I'm saying can help is, you All I'm saying is this. technology in this day and age, there's a lot on the user to make it work. And if you're in a situation where, say, you have to join a live show and something's not working, freaking out just isn't going to do you any good. And, you know, whatever method, it's like method acting. I'm like, I'm in a spaceship. You got to fix this. And you know what? Sometimes it works better than others. But but ultimately, you know, maybe today, maybe I'm not in the ocean. Maybe today what happened was it's one, it's like I started plummeting and then I just like, fixed it and turned it around real fast so it was like touch and go for a moment but i'm back orbiting orbiting oh, the earth you again. got your you got your parachute to go out now you got your there parachute you go. to come out of the bag you were falling down you were tumbling and it's all just downhill from pull. here gojo well <laughs> now, yeah. now i figured out the i figured out the root of the problem for both of you is that you have fixed stuff in the past i oh. and mike you would know this 
I don't oh, yeah. know squat about modern technology. So I'm just going to sit there until somebody fixes it or tells me how to fix it. And I'm not going to worry if it doesn't happen because I can't control it. You guys are worried too much about being in control. Man, let somebody else do it. That was deep. <laughs> How's that for horrible yeah. advice? No, that was deep. Was that was pretty good. No, I, we appreciate that. Snaps up for that. Speaking of new technology, by the way, and Elmo, we now have a new toy to play around with here at the show. We got a voicemail line. Uh, 617-302-7452 yeah. is where you can get in touch with the show and have your voice heard. And we wanted to hear from you guys since Elmo was asking everyone how they were doing yesterday. And boy, did he not like the results that he got there. The whole mm -hmm. Sesame Street team had to come out to try and basically calm the mental health of everyone 40 and under. <laughs> but we just want to know how you're feeling about your NFL team now that your season's over, unless you're a 49ers or Chiefs fan. What's your biggest concern? What are you most excited about? about hit us up again 617-302-7452 is the gojo and golik voicemail line and charlotte we were just talking about ben johnson him coming back to the detroit lions and what a gift that is for that fan base we also had the news bobby slowick who was one of the names that was sort of the new ben johnson he was the hot mm -hmm. coordinator coming off his season and work with cj stroud albert breer over at si reported that bobby slowick not only coming back but agreeing to a new deal with the houston texans they're also going to have uh the uh, quarterback coach Rod Johnson returning back there as well, which that one is in all of the sea of us trying to game out these people's expectations, what they're thinking. And for Bobby Slowick, Dan, I think this is even a little bit easier than what we saw in Detroit with the Lions, where it's, hey, I understand that all these places that might be trying to hire me, I'm not going to have a CJ Stroud. Like, Derek Goff's a very good quarterback in Detroit. C.J. Stroud, you're eating quarterback caviar in Houston. And so for Bobby Slowick, he knows, man, anywhere else I go, the job is going to get a lot harder than it is right here. So that decision and the domino into then their quarterbacks coach trying to stick around, that one was a little easier for me because now it's, all right, I know Bobby Slowick is going to get a head coaching job eventually. And so if I just stick around here long enough, I could be the offensive coordinator for a team that has that guy playing quarterback and not have to go to a place where they're breaking in a rookie or trying to make some aging veteran work as the third or fourth quarterback who's now played on that team. So this side made a little bit more sense to me, given the precious commodity that you've got in the middle of this team right now. And you said Houston getting caviar, so Jesse knows exactly how they feel uh, having the nope. caviar. Um, but as, as far as I, – I, what, what a monster win for C.J. Stroud here, right? Oh. They have both as coordinator and quarterback coach back. This is huge because that's going to end at some point. Bobby Sloak's going to get a head coaching job somewhere. Whether he signed a new deal or not doesn't matter. You elevate from co-coordinator to head coach, you know, you'll work around that. But this is huge for C.J. Stroud going into his – how they always say the rookie quarterback improves in his second year. Well, hell, I mean, look forward to that. I mean, for yeah. what he did his first year, by the way, just got named uh, to the Pro Bowl. You start to replace the players that are in the, uh, the, the Super Bowl. So he had a monster year. So, so Charlotte, I think while for Bobby Sloak, he's got himself a bright future in the coaching world, I think this is monstrous for C.J. Stroud and that offense to continue to grow under his tutelage. I do too. I think it's also so rare in the NFL that you keep people, you keep players with the people who have been good for them. Um, obviously it's such a league. It's such a carousel, um, a league of change of people going different places. And, and I always wonder, you know, what could we get if we had maybe a little tiny bit more patience in situations where things were good? And for Bobby Sloak, this is this is a smart career move because as as you said, Gojo, he's working with one of the best, but also 
If you stay there a year, two years longer, your coaching, your head coaching opportunities are, it's the ball's going to be in your court a lot more because if you, the more success you have, the more leverage you have. um, And the more success you have, I mean, we saw what happened, especially with sort of younger guys, at least Bobby Slowick looks young. Bobby Slowick sort of looks like what I expect. every investment banker to look like like if you if you look at his headshots it's like you could just switch that up for a suit or you know like a consultant or he's got this very um you know i went to business school vibe about him um and i think i just do, i do think that more time with cj is and that coaching staff is only going to be good for him also uh i like to check out fans reddit pages um when moves Ooh. like this happen and the the headline was um for the for the texans was uh bobby slowick staying in houston period rejoice exclamation point so fans seem to be very happy about this rejoice is right and, and- you guys both mentioned why this is so rare. And this is the number one thing that keeps staffs and keeps organizations up at night is, Oh, we have one of the hot coordinator names. How soon before they're gone and we lose the benefit of all that time together, because that communication between player and coach, you could find another really good coordinator, but if him and CJ have that kind of relationship where now dad brought it up, you get the full off season as a rookie. Think about the timeline of events. I always, this is why these rookie quarterbacks take such a big jump in their second year. You go from the combine to your pre-draft workouts, to all the meetings in the lead up to the draft itself. You're late to the off season program because of the draft. You get there in the summer and you're trying to take everything in through a fire hose. And then you go right into the season. It's the longest year for most of these guys. Cause you don't get a real off season. Now CJ Stroud is going to be in that building with the same guy that he was there with last year, with way more time to sit there and digest all of this, to go over it together, and to not have to learn somebody else's communication style that's going to be in his ear during this year coming up. So congratulations, Lions fans, Texans fans, everybody else's fans. We want to hear from you coming up again, 617-302-7452. Tell us how you're feeling about your team coming off this season. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with 
with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals. Seed's probiotic research, development, and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great with convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, the NBA is giving offense, okay? We've had some serious feats reached of the NBA's 10 players to score 70 or more points in a game. Four have reached the mark in the last two seasons, okay? Donovan Mitchell had 71 last January. Damian Lillard followed last February with his own 71. Then Embiid and Doncic both reached that mark last week. And just in general, scoring way up across the league. So take a look at the top scoring team in the NBA over the last decade. So over that last decade, average team scoring has leapt over 15 points per game. Warriors led the NBA in scoring at 108.6 points per game. Now that figure, that would put them at 29th this season. That is how much offense we are seeing in the NBA Pretty remarkable uh, by these teams, by these players. We hit a little bit on this yesterday, you guys, though. Is it elite offense, or is it just that we've started to get kind of bad at defense? Well, and, and I think a, a, an also an interesting question kind of in that same vein, Jesse, is is it entertaining? Do we like it still? Charlotte, you are a part of a basketball podcast that is four days a week, every day but Monday with Amino Hassan here on the DraftKings Network. As you sit around and watch, is it something that's affected the way that you've consumed basketball, seeing all these numbers and how it actually plays out night in and night out? I mean, not for me. I, I think part of it, sure, you can you can say there's less defense. Uh, I think it's, you know, Steve Kerr loves to go on his rants about how the rules have favored offense and how, you know, guys are running into us and it's our fault and we need to fix this and the league has prioritized offense and which, okay, sure, you know, Steve Kerr's smarter about basketball than I am. But I also think... Um, in, in J.J. Reddick's newsletter in The Old Man and the Three, there was a, a thing about how the most 60-point games in a season ever was 1962 to 1963. Um, so I don't necessarily think this is as like, oh, no, the league is over because everybody's scoring. It's like a lot of people scored before. Um, and I also think that it's it's not necessarily just threes that guys are hitting. I feel like a lot of people will say, well, the league has changed in terms of guys are only guys only shoot threes now. It's like they don't actually like guys have gotten really good at getting points in the paint. Like they're putting a ton of pressure on these defenses. So on some level, I, I think there is defense. Like I think you look at some of these elite defensive teams. Like if, if you watch Drew Holiday on any given night, like he's plastered to these guys. I, I think it's sort of a disservice to the players to say, oh, they're not playing defense. I think that they are. I think it's just, I think it's very difficult when you have these players who are this skilled, um, especially, you know, big guys who have not historically been the ones to score all those points. And 
you look at someone like Jokic and it's like, all right, well, that's that's different now. Um, so I think, it, as always, it's way more complicated than um, most people would want it to be. But but I, I guess, you know, there is some validity to that if we keep seeing all of these points. Um, I, I do still think it's fun. Like, I, I think people complain about points or offense or like nobody plays defense anymore until it stops. And then it's like, do you want to watch like UVA University of Virginia basketball? Do you want to watch like 47 <laughs> point games? Do you want people to See. cheer every shot clock violation? Cause like, that's the other side of the coin. So I don't I've know. I've seen that in person, yeah. by the way. It's the weirdest thing on yeah. earth it's to crazy. actually watch but how hard they celebrate it, for the shot clock violations in Charlottesville. It, it is, but but we, we can't just go to that scenario. We can't just say, oh, where no, we I are. Know, or do we want to go back to the four-corner stall and the, you know, the – it's not gonna. It's not gonna do that. There has to be a line. We went through the same thing in the NFL, or gone through that, or are going through that. Quick message to Steve Kerr. You know what's not gonna happen? Any rule changes for the defense, Steve? See the NFL. Well, it's not going I, to happen because they, they. I was gonna say, Dad. JJ Redick pointed this out the other day that they have taken some things away from offensive players here in the recent couple of years. You know, Trey Young's move where he used to stop and run back into guys down the lane. They have done certain things to try and help out the defenses for some people like him, Chris Paul, James Harden, who have made a living trying to basically get foul calls and hunt those in the paint. So, uh, like I said, it, it's finding a line. How far do you want to let something go? Because we have all the stats. What, you go to the Rockets in 2013 and 14 when they were hoisting up, I think, 26 threes a game, which led the league. Now that would be last, like, by a mile last. So, it, it how far – I think it's a line, Charlotte, of how far you let things go because the NFL has gone through it. Every rule has gone toward the offense, and it's made the scoring go up, and it's made offenses more exciting, but you have to kind of watch out for at what expense. So that's the job, I think, of the league. We want an exciting product, and excitement a lot of times means scoring, but – not the type of scoring in an NFL Pro Bowl game, not the type of scoring in an NBA All-Star game, somewhere below that, but above, you know, four-corner stall, you know, or, or how it used to be in the NFL. So I think that's the juggling act. It's always going to favor the offense. In every sport, it's always going to favor it, but you always have to be careful of how far you let it go before you kind of lose the, wow, boy, I love watching the excitement of these offenses to, all right, man, this, this is just too much. They have every advantage in the world. No, I, I, I get think, that. Yeah. I, I think go part for it, of it, though, is I, I, I feel like, you know, you talked about the 2013-2014 Rockets, uh, the Daryl Morification of the three and blah, blah, blah. Um, and and I think that's valid. I also think that because NBA athletes are so unbelievably talented, they can adjust very quickly to what the game is or what direction the game is going in or or what the rules are. I don't know that the rules have changed significantly enough from then to point at at the rules as being the reason this is all happening. I feel like guys see the trends and then work with their trainers to get good at the things that they need to be good at to, to succeed in the game with the direction it's going. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like there is defense is fun. Offense is fun. I, I'm not, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm smart enough to know 
in in terms of of how the game is played, what exactly needs to happen to keep that balance, or what the balance of the rules uh, versus the guys, the the talent and the training. Um, but at, at for me at this point, it it's not. Um, I don't think it's gotten to the point where I'm like, well, this is just ridiculous. Like this is completely out of hand. Um, I guess I think we have to see how the season keeps going in terms of what do those point totals end up being? Like if we're having regular 85 point games or 90 point games, it's probably like, okay, well, something might have to change here, but I'm not quite, I don't, I don't know that we're quite there for me personally. No, I, I would say it's a long season, and I think every once in a while we're searching for things to talk about, especially in the middle of January in the NBA, and so we get a little freaked out when this happens, but like, I watched the end of the Celtics-Pacers game last night that was a great game where the Pacers were down huge and stormed back in the second half and made it close, and in the final few possessions, yeah, there had been a lot of scoring, but the Celtics won that game on an incredible defensive stand, Jason Tatum's yeah. blocking shots off the backboard, and, and you still get it to insert itself in those places with some of the best teams in the league. There's still a ton of value. I mean, hell, the Milwaukee Bucks just fired a coach that was 31 and 11 or 31 and 14 because the team couldn't play defense well enough to party out there. So there's still a value in it. And I think, Charlotte, your point about the adjustment is so true. This was a league that we thought in the era of pace and space was going to play bigs off the court. And instead, Mm -hmm. big men adjusted and are now the perennial MVPs of the league and some of the biggest freaks we have. You've got the Robin Lopez's of the world, for God's sakes, who had that weird stat where he didn't like attempt a three in the first however many years of his career career and now he's a competent three-point shooter these guys figure it out and in an era where they've got to defend more of the court than ever I still think we're in the process of that because it's really freaking hard to defend as much space as you have to account for now well let's also say this goes with the times right this wouldn't have been the offense back when Shaq and Ewing you know and the big fives were this is a product of the bigs being able to run the floor the bigs being able to space oh, it out. So that's how Dan, the game adjusted. It's like. Well, I think it's the chicken and the egg the other way where the game made the bigs adjust like that. Cause you could have had Shaq running the floor earlier in his career. I come on. Shaq, I Shaq was never someone that I think that could have run in his career like that. Like, like the players of today. I completely disagree Magic with you. I think Shaq, it went on Magic athletic Shaq ability. Can do anything. <laughs> The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, for 20 years, the NFL had a common enemy, and it was the New England Patriots. Okay, they reached the Super Bowl nine times over 19 years. They adopted the motto, hate us because they ain't us. We know the drill. Charlotte, you know, <laughs> big Patriots fan. You know the drill. <laughs> but since Tom Brady left, left Foxborough, it's been all downhill, okay? And the Chiefs were more than happy to step into the shoes of the Patriots Four Super Bowls in five years for Kansas City, twice coming away with the Lombardi Trophy. Then you throw in Patrick Mahomes, a casual Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the biggest celebrity fans the league has ever seen, Taylor Swift, and you have a perfect cocktail of hate, as they say. Shake that up nice. Fan bases nationwide are rooting for the Chiefs to lose. So, Charlotte, what are your thoughts here on the Chiefs being the new Patriots? You know, I'm so glad you asked, Jesse, because I was actually thinking of um, writing a substack about this, uh, thewilderthings.substack.com. Check it out. Um, and when I saw this on the rundown, I was like, oh, cool. OK, so this is so many people care about. I should write about this um, because I actually think dynasties are good. And I think that people I think fans do not realize how much they want a common enemy until that common enemy is gone. I think you can think about a situation where, you know, say this were um, Niners, Ravens, obviously Baltimore would be happy and obviously it would be incredible to see Lamar Jackson finally get there. I do think that the buzz around it um, in terms of people's emotional reaction to the Chiefs being there would be less. And I think, I mean, obviously the league wants that. The league wants the famous, the team that everybody has seen the most and is most familiar with. Um, but I think that there is also something to be said for people and fans rallying around a team that they do not want to win because when you don't have a horse in the race you can watch a game and be like cool awesome game like love the offense good good defense everybody like what are you supposed to if you don't really know the teams or if you don't really have as much of an idea of what's going on as a casual fan if it's a Super Bowl, everybody knows what the Chiefs deal is. Everybody knows about Mahomes. Everybody knows about Kelsey. Everybody knows about Taylor Swift. And there are strong feelings about it. And I just think strong feelings in sports is sort of what the whole point is. So this is actually um, a, a fun opportunity for fans to feel something, even if it's hatred and disgust. So I, I think what you said, the key thing there, one of the key things, Charlotte, is casual fan. Because strong Chief fans obviously want to see the dynasty continue, and people that aren't Chief fans would love to see it end. But it's a casual fan. And this is what we do. When somebody is climbing the mountain and gets to the mountaintop, we love them. Even on the mountaintop for a little bit, I see Tiger Woods. I mean, how great was that dominant run? And then you're like, Okay, this is cool. Now, is there going to be anybody else? We go back to the Steelers winning the Super Bowls. They won from 75 on, four of them. Dominus, but then you want to see him knocked off. The 49ers, cool going up. But then, you know what? Let's see someone get knocked off. And then, because you're the casual fan, because you don't know these people except only through the game, I wonder about this thought process, Mike. 
is New England. Bill Belichick barely said two words. He was always this gruff old man, right? Tom Brady never did any commercials, and he was married to a supermodel. So you were either like, how cool are you or jealous of his lifestyle, but you never saw him. In Kansas City, everybody loves Andy Reid. You're waiting for him to eat a burger somewhere. Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are doing every commercial under the book right now and just seem like more like fun guys. Again, to the casual fan, they see these guys more, and I think it's a more, right now, likable team. Now, does that mean you still don't want to say, okay, we need some new blood here? You know, we all thought it was going to be Baltimore. When's Buffalo going to make the move? But I think because we're talking about casual fans, we're talking about personalities of players on the team as well. Well, I, I think with that, though, like this is, and I've always comped, Kansas City more to Golden State for that reason because they seemed likable at first but then the exposure starts to have the negative effect for everyone else because you are the roadblock to a lot of people's happiness you are going to be the team in Kansas City that ruins the brains of folks in Buffalo and in other cities like that that constantly run into that ceiling because they see you as the impediment there and then it starts to be well it's because you're getting all the calls it's because the league wants this it starts to beget some of those things because you're making enough people miserable and dad I think the exposure works to be a negative with Tom Brady and the Patriots I think the reason people came to hate them was because you had so much of the cheating scandals that popped up like scandal was the personality for that team because we didn't get anything from the outside it's sort of like what we dealt with with Alabama as a dynasty in college football where there's not a lot of personality to draw from that but with the Chiefs, they're going to give you plenty of that, especially it's kind of like the Patriots. They outsourced it to tight end because Mahomes, while he's out there, isn't someone that's going to be polarizing in the way that he acts largely. But you do get a lot more from these guys. And so that means after a while, especially when you win a lot, it gives people more to latch onto with what they dislike about that. So, Charlotte, are we there? Because I agree about the personality thing. And that was kind of my point is you love it going up, but there's a line. And are oh, we at the line, the line, Charlotte, with Kansas? Are, are we are we at the line of over, you know, saturation of Mahomes and Travis and now throw in Taylor Swift to the whole thing? Have we hit have we hit that mark with them? I think it's sort of interesting, yes, in terms of other fan bases. Absolutely. I think other fan bases are like, these these guys are ruining my life. Um, I hate them. I think <laughs> that for the more casual fan, though, especially when you introduce the Taylor Swift element, more casual fans this year were introduced to, and I say casual fan in terms of someone who maybe was not following the league so closely before, you introduce them and it's like, oh, these guys are kind of fun. And I think that that new audience that they can bring in isn't there yet. And um, I also think that the fan base has a lot to do with it. I think Boston will always be the perfect villain because of the success that the city has had, um, you know, region wide and of how obnoxious people know Boston fans to be and of the gloating. I mean, I, I don't know that if you asked me like, tell me the stereotypical Kansas city chiefs fan. I don't know that. And maybe it's because I'm from Boston, but you know, I've worked in this industry for a while and, and talked about fans a lot. I don't know that I could, tell you exactly what kind of obnoxious a Kansas City a, a Chiefs fan is. I could tell you exactly what kind of obnoxious the the and and sometimes, you know, uh very, very bad fan the the Boston fan can be. Um but I, I think that there was also because of the cheating scandals in New England, there was an us against the world, like you hate mm-hmm. us because you're cause you ain't us. Like you're not you're not cheating, you're not trying. Like this 
this whole idea of um, the underdog, which brings me to Patrick Mahomes after the AFC championship said we were the underdogs and it was, you know, and it was something Tracy Wilson was like, you know, did that get under your skin? He was like, yeah, people are going to doubt us. And I was like, Oh my God, it's over for the chiefs. They are no longer America's sweethearts because the minute you start claiming we are the underdogs, when you have been to four Super Bowls in the past five years, the whole country is going to turn on you. And in some ways, Mahomes sort of gave us a gift. He was sort of like, you know what? You want me to be the villain? Like, I'll say the underdog thing. And then, Gojo, it's off to the races. A hundred percent. This is so much of what happens with Mahomes is Steph Curry chewing on his mouthpiece. Like, remember how he used, always used to make the stank face and throw that around? And then after a while, people were like, well, bleep that guy. And now we've seen how many of those NFL films montages of Patrick Mahomes going up and chirping Max Crosby or him and Travis Kelsey before the game with Justin Tucker's helmet and all this stuff where people look at that. And before it's cool because he's new and exciting. And now it's dad kind of got that feeling of Max Verstappen in formula one where man, if it's the same team winning it every single year, especially coming out of the AFC. Now you see that over and over again. It's like, well, it's a lot less cute because he's making my life miserable. And he seems to delight in that. Yeah, like I said, I think we're hitting that line with them. And the thing about the underdog, that always makes people roll their eyes. I I get it when you're one of the top teams and you talk about that. But factually, I would be interested to know because they actually were underdogs against Buffalo and against Baltimore. And I would be interested, and and believe me, I'm separating the fact that fans don't care. They don't want to hear that out of Pat Mahomes' mouth that they're an underdog. But I wonder this year, more than the past few years, have they been the underdogs in games more this year overall than the last few years? So factually, he may be right. Public perception, people want to throw something at him. <laughs> While we're talking about uh, dynasties and the Chiefs and the Patriots, I've enjoyed Tom Brady post-playing career scratching the itch by just throwing footballs across board rooms at big speaking events that he's got. I went to Google because yesterday the video started popping up. Tom Brady was at a speaking event in Australia that he was a part of. And in the middle of this gigantic ballroom, he threw a spot perfect spiral, an absolute dart on the rope to Reese Walsh, an Australian rugby star over there in the middle of this room. And I went to Google Tom Brady throws a football and the amount of these situations Tom Brady throws a dart to CEO, uh, Delta Airlines CEO at their <gasps> meeting there Charlotte he's found a very interesting way to scratch the itch during what's kind of been like his gap year between school and him starting a job next year where he's walking in and I'm very interested to watch Tom Brady's mentality because he's walking into a room right now where he's watching everybody love up the guy that he's replacing. Greg Olson has been incredible as the lead analyst for Fox. Tom Brady is walking in, and we know financially, reputation-wise, immediately going to push him out of this job. But Charlotte, you know the kind of competitor this guy is. I'm fascinated to watch what Tom Brady's been up to because I don't think there's any way this guy has watched everything that's happened in the conversation around Greg Olson and the guy that he's replacing and taken this in a way that's lying down and not going and doing what he's always done, which is letting the hyper-competitive drive fuel the entire way he lives his life. 
Yeah, Tom Brady is an absolute freak. Like, this guy, everybody loving Greg Olson is probably the best thing that could have happened to Tom Brady's broadcasting career. I was watching, there was a clip on TikTok, um, Brady went on the Pat McAfee show, and I was watching this clip, and I was like, oh my god, Tom has been practicing talking. Tom has been practicing broadcasting. Tom executed, like, a perfect backflip 180, whatever, off the diving board on McAfee the other day because he started out, the question was, does it bother you when Mahomes is compared, when people say he's better than you are? Brady was like, you know, what he does doesn't take away from what I did and what I did doesn't take away from what he did. And, you know, if someone wants to go out there and win seven Super Bowls, I'm, I'll am i be cheering for him. And I was like, oh, my God, the shade of, like, still asserting his dominance. And then managed to turn that answer into a plug for all of his companies. And I just think that this is, I was like, this is a guy who has been media trained, um, you know, up the wazoo. Like this, this guy knows what he's getting into. He has been practicing. Obviously it's going to take a second because I think anybody who tries to talk on air for a living, I mean, look, I still, there's still moments where I'm like, Oh, my brain just shut off mid sentence. But you know, he he's going to he's going to have a drive. And I think with that drive comes an absolute absurd amount of preparation if you're Tom Brady. And I, I started to see that. And I, I, for one, can't wait. I can't wait to see him to see him back on Sundays, everybody. I, I'm I'm kind of all over the place on this one. Tom became, I think, to the public more likable when he went to Tampa Bay when he was out of New England and how you deal with things in New England, he opened up a little more as a quarterback at Tampa Bay, became a little more out there. He does obviously the pod with Jim Gray and with Larry Fitzgerald uh, as well. So you hear him out there as well. And, and, and we knew he was going to, whatever he wanted to have a career in, he was going to be able to have a career in. I'm not going to lie. I come at it a little bit from the other side as a guy who was a 10th rounder, a guy who, you know, was an average player for nine years. And and while given more opportunity than a person not in a sport to get involved in broadcasting and build from there, there's always part of me, because while I've been in this for like 30 years, I have seen time and time and time again People start to try and do better and better and elevate, and then a star retires and they're handed a job. And some, and then what happens is you're handed the job, and I and I, I get it, and we all understand it, but they're handed the job, and then the execs all cross their fingers and they say, "Man, I hope this works out," because I have seen over these decades more than a few people who were great players been handed the top jobs and were awful, and then you move on to the next guy. So there's always part of me that sees a player, and by the way, Greg Olson, 10 times the player I ever was, don't get me wrong, a great player, but he even recognized as soon as that deal was inked, he was going to be done. He was not going to be, once he was made the top guy at Fox, he wasn't going to be that anymore. So there's always part of me, Mike, as the former 10th rounder uh, that will say, it's, and I'm sure people outside of sports are mad at, at 
we, us athletes who get handed jobs, but then there's another tier of it to how good of a player you were and where you start in the business. So as someone who was on the low end of the draft and a mid-player throughout a career, seeing people just get handed jobs, I get why people outside of sports get mad when see, they see any athlete get handed a job because it's a little bit of a bummer saying, boy, I like this guy's doing a good job, and for no fault of his own, he's done there. Yeah, I mean, listen, as a card-carrying Nepo baby, I can certainly understand people having ill feelings towards the way that someone acquired their job. Like, I, I believe me, I understand that better than most. But I, I think in this situation, what's interesting about Tom and the way he comes in is, Dad, his background is more like yours than it is like a former first-round pick. Tom Brady's a guy who's True. used to coming in and having to work that way. And I think what you talk about, the phenomenon that we sometimes see with people that are accomplished in their sport at the hall of fame level is some might approach it with the feeling of, all right, well, I worked so hard at this. So now I don't really need to work as hard at that. There might not be the same desire to be great at this thing. And the one thing that at least seems like it works in the favor for Tom Brady is the way that he is wired does not seem to allow him to rest like that because his career wasn't made because he had extraordinary physical abilities. His career wasn't made because he had a natural proclivity for all this. It was because he had to work tirelessly at the other stuff to get himself to that point. And so Charlotte, the very least coming into this, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll approach it with the same way, but we know at least he's got the wiring in him to approach something like this. And that competitive streak door, I do think I'm sure this has been bulletin board material for him. A guy who's made his whole career off feeling slighted probably has looked at a lot of this and thought, all right, you don't think I'm willing to work for this the same way I did for that. We've at the very least, I think got a shot because of the way he had to go about building his NFL career, not being solely predicated on talent and ability. Totally. And I think as far as the the Greg Olson portion of it goes, he was, we talked to him earlier this season on, on the Levitard show. And I was like, you know, how does it feel that like you came out and said, you're the best at this. I, I admire you saying that. And he was like, look, for me, I'm just going to make it impossible for them to replace me. And I think that I admire his saying that. I also think he probably knew that wasn't going to be the case, but I think what it does mean yeah. is that he has a lot of opportunity. Might not be at Fox, mm -hmm. but somebody is going to pick this guy up. He is not going to be sidelined, as it were. Um, and I also think that in terms of Brady's career, this was probably the best thing that could happen for him in broadcasting, because I think a lot of people do not realize that you have to practice talking. You have to practice figuring out how to call a game. You have to know what's interesting. You have to know your statistics. You have to know what has happened before. If anybody knows that off the top of his head, given how long he was in the league, it's probably Tom Brady. But Brady has also seemed to realize he took a year off. He didn't jump into this. He was like, there is skill involved in this in a way that he needs to learn. And if anybody can learn anything, you know, it's definitely him. So I, I completely feel you. I love Greg Olson. I, I wish he could keep that top job. I just feel like he is going to end up with the top job somewhere else because this guy is too good at what he does. He, he very well could, but it's just the fact of, again, getting bigfooted, and which is what happens. Yeah. Again, yeah. we all know it's going to happen. And listen, if we're to sit there and if, if on, on DraftKings Sportsbook they actually had odds of if Tom Brady is going to be good at this or not, I would, I would bet he would be, right, uh, for, for all the reasons we talked about. 
But still, at the end of the day, we don't know. Because, Charlotte, like you mentioned, all the things you need to know, and then you need to learn to talk in the cadence of a booth as well. I think he'll succeed, but we don't know. And what I see is, unfortunately, someone who's never done it replaced someone who is at the top of their game right now. So yeah. that, that, that's kind of a bummer for me for Greg. But overall, I definitely feel Tom is going to be really good at this. Someone else at the top of their game. Charlotte Wilder with Oddball, <laughs> Nino Haston, every day but Monday here on the DraftKings Network. Check them out over there. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you, guys.